0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Whether the action is at the link or the bank, there's never an off day on Broad Street. It's the biggest news of the day. Every day with takes from someone who's never short on them. It's WIP daily with Joe Giglio. Welcome on in WIP Daily for a June 14th. Joe Giglio with you. Appreciate everyone who subscribes, follows the podcast. And of course, our video feed, 94WIP, the YouTube page. Putting up a lot of video podcasts there over the next few months. And today, I want to dive into Doc Rivers and, and what he had to say to Bill Simmons on his podcast. Because I think there is a... There's almost like this reflex to say, well, he's just bitter. Well, he's just saying that because he got fired by the Sixers and James Harden got him fired. And now he's just, you know, he's upset at the Sixers for firing him and maybe he's spouting off. But, but here's the reality. If you really listen and read the, the quotes of what Doc Rivers said to Bill Simmons on his podcast, what jumped out to me is Doc Rivers told the truth. The truth about the Sixers that your eyes have seen, that my eyes have seen, that the NBA's eyes have seen about the organization, about Joel Embiid, about James Harden. He didn't tell any lies. Now, should he have done it? Should he have aired it? I mean, he's, he's not an NBA coach right now. He can say what the heck he wants. He's on a podcast. He's probably going to get into some media stuff. He probably wants to make a headline. Good for Doc Rivers. I have, I have no qualms with Doc Rivers airing this out. And for anyone out there saying, well, he didn't say this when he was the coach of the team, of course not. He he has to be diplomatic. He, those are his players. He has to protect them. It's a totally different realm now, and he's not in that realm anymore. So I appreciate Docker Rivers saying the truth. And l- let's dive into some of the things he said. And and I, I really think there's an enormous amount here that matters moving forward. And I actually thought, as much as some of the quotes are being pulled and you're hearing or seeing some lines or or you know of what he had to say to Bill Simmons, if you really listen or or and or read it, I mean, it's, it, I don't think the tone. I think Doc Rivers' tone is what it is. He, he, I think you could tell this, even if you haven't listened to the full podcast over on the Ringer feed with Bill Simmons, that there was no malicious intent to Doc Rivers' you know, voice. He was his normal Doc Rivers, and he kind of couched some things, and he tried to say, well, this guy can change, he can get better. I didn't think he was being mean. I, I just thought he was being real about the Sixers. Let, let's start with the... Joel Embiid stuff, because that's where my frustration has been for a long time with the Sixers. I don't think Joel Embiid is a good enough player, good enough leader, good enough championship type of player, winner, all those kind of things. I I think he is far off from where the Sixers need him to be. And so... Joel Embiid as a leader, here is the quote from Dockers, I stayed on him daily, he he has the ability to make his teammates better and when he does that, you look at our games this year when he did that and dominated, hard to go away from Joel Embiid, he's just got to do that on a consistent basis, not just on the court, but also off the court just be around your guys and spend time with your guys and let them know you love them because they love you and so I thought Joe in the three years you could see the growth there, I think we forgot how young he is we also forgot his serious years in play and Bill I'm telling you that sets a tone, so You know, we'll get to that part in a second. But let's just do the talk talk about leadership. You know, we've had this big debate. It's like chicken or the egg thing. Is Joel Embiid, you know, does he mope around and play like he does because the team is a mess? Or is the team a mess because he plays like that sometimes and they take their cues from him? And I dare you to go through any champion in the NBA over the last, just in your lifetime, that didn't take the cues from their best player. That's where the cues for the team come. Just look at the one we just watched. Let's let's not go back in a million years. The Nuggets play basketball in the image of Nikola Jokic. Share the ball, free-flowing, unselfish. It all revolves around him. Subtle, but excellent. That's That's how I would describe the Denver Nuggets. Subtle, excellent teamwork. And how I would describe the Philadelphia 76ers is disjointed, up and down. Sometimes great, sometimes terrible. That's Joel Embiid. When great enormously great. When bad, you don't want to watch them. So I I think there's something to this leadership thing and obviously Doc's saying there's a disconnect there where he's not doing all he has to do to get those guys to want to follow him. And I think you see that on the court. I think think on the court, off the court and this is, I, I think in real life compared to, you know, the idea of you know, anything you do in life, NBA or, or wherever you work in an office or remotely, whatever the heck you do for a living, there is something to be said about the, uh, I'll go to the line and remember the Titans, one of my favorite lines in in a sports movie, attitude reflect leadership. So the attitude of the team reflects the leadership. Look at the Nuggets, the attitude of that team, all business, team, move the ball, free flowing, you know, all in the, it's a, all works in concert. That flows off of Nikola Jokic. You know, when the Bucks won all energy all the time for, for 48 minutes, that's Giannis Attentacupo. When the Warriors were winning, it was team basketball and shooting the basketball and maximizing possessions on the offensive end. That is Steph Curry. Like, they, they, all these teams take their cues. When it was LeBron James winning, it was unselfish basketball. That was it. Whether it be the Cavaliers, whether it be the Lakers, whether it be... Miami Heat, unselfish basketball. All these teams take the cues from the best player. And the Sixers unfortunately do. And the leadership is obviously an issue, according to Doc Rose. The other one, it's kind of the scars of the process. Um, so this is a quote from Doc about Joel. When you miss two years and you're sitting there all the time and you get used to not playing games... Ben Simmons went through the same thing. He missed the first year. Fighting that early on when I first got there was huge. Joe, you need to play tonight. Joe, you could play tonight. So there there was almost a babying by the organization over these young players that is really you know, never, never gone. I mean, it, it's just, it's always there. It's always been there since the beginning. The idea of. Pushing yourself as far as you could go. Why do we think the Sixers kind of fall apart? Why does Joel fall apart when it gets tough? Well, he never had to push through when he was young. Now, this isn't a really a knock on Joel. Maybe that's more of the organization, but it's true. Again, Doc Rivers keeps telling the truth in this thing. And I think it's, it's alarming that this truth is is not what we hoped it was. Like you, I think we all realized it was this, but we hoped it wasn't. And then there's the stuff here about James Harden. So he talked about Harden and he, you know, he did give him some praise, but then he went on and asked him, you know, what it was, Bill Simmons asked him what it was like to coach James Harden. Quote, it was challenging more because we were fighting two things. James is so good at playing one way. And the way I believe you have to play to win in some ways is different because it's a lot of giving up the ball, moving the ball, coming back to the ball. I would have loved to have, have had him younger when that was easier for him because giving up the ball and getting the ball back is hard. It's physical and it's exhausting. It would have been interesting to, um, if I had him younger and he could have done that more coming off dribble handoffs, coming downhill, continue quote at times to get him to move and play the way I needed him to play. I thought the first half of the year, I thought we were the best team in the game. I thought James was playing perfect basketball. He was the point guard then. He was still scoring, but he was doing more playmaking and scoring. And then the second half, he started scoring more, trying to score more, and I thought we got stagnant at times. I thought we changed. So he's right about that. I mean, he is absolutely right that James Harden over the course of the year was a little bit different. Now, guys, that got when we got closer to his free agency and he wanted to show everyone he could still score again. We heard the quotes about, you know, after game one, I do what the coaches tell me to do. You know, there was a, there was a disconnect there. James plays one way. Doc wanted to play a different way, and There's there's been this thing, and that's obviously true, and he also went on to say about James not finishing as well because he's older, and he's running out of gas. I mean, he's right. I mean, all of this stuff he's saying about Joel as a leader, Joel as uh, galvanizing his teammates, James as a one-on-one player versus a team player, James scoring versus passing, James running out of gas because he's old. These are all true. That The process kind of setting the Sixers back culturally. It's all true what Doc Rivers had to say. And there's been this... And I'm not really sure why. I, I think we've missed the boat a little bit in terms of in terms of evaluating Doc Rivers. So there's been this like, well, Doc's a loser thing and we don't want to count the title he won in Boston because it was a while ago. And he's failed with the Clippers and he's failed with the Sixers. But I, I think there's there's kind of a line of demarcation that we've ignored a little bit. And and I'm this might be the most pro doc they've ever said. Think about Doc Rivers, the person, the player, the coach, his history, and then as it's gone on over the years. Doc Rivers was a player on in in a different era of basketball, in a tough, physical era of basketball, and played under Pat Riley. Okay, that's how he that's how he helped was grown up in the game under Pat Riley, New York Knicks, tough, physical basketball. Doc Rivers broke into coaching very young, had to. Kind of prove himself. He was at once, a very long time ago, the young hot coach in the NBA. Doc Rivers still is a pretty young coach. Had to get the respect, and had to get through to and and get superstars, three of them: Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, and Paul Pierce, to buy into what he was selling. They won a championship. They had a really good run after. I did win another one. Uh, got back to one and lost to the Lakers in you know a couple years after that. But they got back, they lost, and then that team fell in and ran into LeBron James when he got to the Miami Heat. So at that point, they were surpassed. It was a tremendous run of Boston Celtics basketball to Doc Rivers. So he, he had he would learn under a winner in Pat Riley. He went and coached guys that were self-driven and kind of bridged that gap between the old and the new. I would say Garnett, Allen, Pierce did that, especially Garnett and Allen. They were old souls in a new era of basketball as it tried to, as it started to transition. Since then. I can make a real case Doc Rivers has, and it's, it's his choice, I mean, he took the jobs, but he's coached teams that were missing something that even he, who may have understood what it is to be a championship caliber kind of player and, and coach, couldn't fix. Like, is it Doc Rivers' fault that Joel Embiid is missing the leadership and the championship DNA? I don't think it is. Is it his fault that James Harden wants to play one way and that's not championship basketball? I don't think it is. Is it his fault that with the Clippers, DeAndre Jordan was becoming a relic as a big center who couldn't shoot? I don't think it is. That, you know, that they kept having injuries, especially to Blake Griffin, as he broke down over the years? I don't think it is. They yeah, had Chris Paul. Chris Paul's obviously a really good player, Hall of Fame player, great point guard. But... I think it's interesting. We, we've made Doc out to be. He doesn't know anything about basketball. He's a loser. You know, he he lucked into a championship when really maybe his last two spots, he got teams that didn't have it as far as they probably could go. And we blamed him because they didn't get over the top. I think that that is a a realistic scenario of what really Doc Rivers' career has been. I don't know if he coaches again or if he wins again. But I found a lot of what he said here to be pretty alarming, at the hands of the of the Sixers and what they have here. And you know, I thought this part about Harden was interesting. What makes James great is a quote. What makes James great is that he is one of the best individual players to ever play the game. Ball handling, handles the ball, dribbles, ball attacks. But that also allows you to attack. If you know where he's at, you know where the ball is at. And so in the playoffs, where teams are game-planning against you each game, double-teaming and taking the ball out of your hand, making it harder, it's easier to do that James could. It's easier to do that to James compared to that. How do you take Steph Curry out of the game? He's running around. He's moving fast. Steve Kerr. We beat goal to say that Steve Kerr used that game and how we trapped him. If you remember, it game six at seven. He used that and showed Steph, hey, it's too easy in big games down the stretch to stop you. They know where the ball is. If you remember Chicago, Doug Collins just let Michael Jordan bring up the ball on the floor and they got in the playoffs. You knew where the ball was and you knew where Michael was. You attacked. And he talked about how Phil Jackson came in, triangle offense, and it was a different story. You know, the Sixers' two best players, are they quitters? Are they losers? That's up for interpretation debate. Are, are their games easier to defend in the postseason than Nikola Jokic and Steph Curry? Yeah, I mean, they are. And and Doc lit it out in basketball terms. He didn't use the quitter word, he used the loser word, he used the DNA word. I, I'll use those words about Harden and Embiid because I hate their body language at big games. But what Doc said there, again, is true. Every. Ounce of what I listened to with Doc Rivers and Bill Simmons, and now reading back through the quotes with you you guys here, it's true. Is he a little salty because he got fired? Probably. Is he upset he didn't get another job? Probably. Is this a little bit of a tryout, maybe for his own podcast or being back on TV or whatever the heck Doc's going to do in in this year off? Yeah, I'm sure it is. But sometimes, whether or not you like the person, whether or not you, you really want to accept what the person is saying is true. Is it germane to if it's true or not? And I believe what Doc Rivers said is true. And I, and if I'm Daryl Morey, and unfortunately, I don't think Daryl Morey going to do this. But if I'm Daryl Morey and I'm the Sixers, I really do take a deep look at what Doc Rivers said in terms of, of this team, in terms of their weaknesses, in terms of their DNA. Uh, there's a problem here. The Sixers, two best players are easier to guard in the playoffs than the regular season. The Sixers' two best players don't adjust. They don't listen. And quite frankly, they're, they're not the kind of leaders this franchise needs to go and and have enough to win a championship. It, I, I thought of all the things to happen since the postseason, and the Doc Rivers podcast with Bill Simmons and the quotes were the most alarming thing. You know, watching Nikola Jokic play the way he did and, and putting a great distance, and I mean great, between he and Joel Embiid, I mean, that, that was kind of predictable. You could kind of see that coming as the postseason went along. I wasn't shocked that happened. Jimmy Butler dragging another team to the finals again. It wasn't shocking. Th- this wasn't shocking, but this was the biggest like, whoa, moment. Because the, the, the laundry's being aired. And I think sometimes when, when people move on, they say things that they would have never said in the moment but those things were always surfacing under, underneath that the cracks in the foundation of the franchise from the process era, Joel Embiid's issues as a leader, James Harden's issues as a guy that doesn't know how to play winning basketball. These are all there. And the fact these two guys are easier to guard in the postseason when the game changes than they are in the regular season. I mean, these are things the Sixers can't run from. And I hope, I hope his fans. We don't just write him off as, uh, he's just a bitter coach who got fired. Doc has told the truth, everybody. He told the truth that you've probably been thinking and wondering and hoping deep down was the truth, but deep down, we all kind of knew it was. Appreciate everyone listening to WIP Daily. Another big take coming for you tomorrow. Stay with the feed. Lots of great content from all around WIP. WIP Daily, follow the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And of course... The video feed, 94WIP, the YouTube page. Subscribe, follow, and we'll do a lot of these as the days go along. Thank you for listening to WIP Daily.